Colloquium, Episode 3, Bad Things Happen. Jason Starr on Wolverine Max. Welcome to the third episode of Colloquium. My name is Marcusan, and this is my comics creator interview podcast for Sequart. I recently had the opportunity to talk with writer Jason Starr. Jason is the author of critically acclaimed crime novels, including Tough Luck and Lights Out, as well as the supernatural thrillers The Pack and The Craving. He's also written a handful of great comics like The Chill for Vertigo Crime, Justice Inc., for DC's Next Wave Pulp Line, and the untold tales of Punisher Max for Marvel. For this cast, Jason and I discussed his ongoing Marvel series, Wolverine Max, which reimagines the popular character for a mature audience. I talked with Jason about why Wolverine is a perfect fit for crime noir stories, how the centuries of life have affected Logan, what Jason thinks of the Wolverine film, and why the amount of adamantium in Wolverine Max is not an error. Jason? Hello. Hello. So how are things going in New York? Uh, pretty good. Everything's going great here. Great. So let's talk about Wolverine Max then. Uh, before you started writing this series, were you a fan of the character? Yeah, I've always been a fan of, the, of Wolverine growing up, well, in the 80s, 90s, especially in the 90s. Um and X-Men movies. Um, yeah, I never really imagined that I'd ever have a chance to write the character. But, yeah, I've always been a fan. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when you first came across Wolverine and how you reacted to that character? Um, I was always liked him because, um, compared to some other superheroes, this one was just growing up. Um, I liked that he didn't really have um, superpowers. He had mutant powers. And... There was something, to me, more human about him. He was more like an everyman. And I could identify with him because of that. He didn't come from another planet. Um, he's a guy you could just imagine going to a bar and he's hanging out there. So he was just more down-to-earth, more accessible to mm -hmm. me than some other characters. And the whole his whole backstory, um, the existential character who um, you know, may live, you know, in effect, immortal, um, appeal to me as well. So he was just like a, and of course the claws, that's, you know, <laughs> we're cool, we're cool. I think every kid imagines, you know, at some point that he has, could have claws come out. And, um, so that was, you know, he was definitely the coolest, uh, character when I was growing up. Yeah. I mean, I always liked the claws and I liked that you could drink a beer with them as well. Yeah. 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 You're not going to have a beer with Superman. <laughs> I would try. <laughs> Uh, so what are you, some of your favorite Wolverine stories? Well, definitely, you know, going back to the 90s, the Claremont Miller uh, stories were definitely a big, not only did they, you know, turn me on at the time, but they were just a very big inspiration when I was um, uh, starting Wolverine Max. But all of the down-to-earth uh, versions of Wolverine throughout the years, uh, stuff Greg Rucka has done, um, a lot of stuff Jason Aaron did, 
you know, and, and X-Men stuff, but I, I prefer Wolverine out of the uniform. How about the patch years? Um, you know, wasn't influential, but I certainly enjoyed those first. Mm-hmm. So uh, it sounds like uh, writing a Wolverine comic is something that you've always kind of wanted to do then. So how did you get the gig for Wolverine Max? Was it something that you pitched to Marvel? Um, I had been doing some work for Vertigo, DC, and Marvel over the last several years. Um, got to know uh, Ed Brubaker pretty well um, through my crime fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and worked my way up to doing a um, Punisher Max story, um, Untold Tales of uh, Punisher Max. And then the opportunity came my way to do um, Wolverine Max when they started it. So, you know, I was very excited about it and excited about being able to start at ground zero with the character. Um, didn't have the baggage of that you have in the um, Marvel Universe because it was in the Max Universe. So I kind of got to set up my own rule book, um, kind of really just start from scratch. And that's, you know, a unique opportunity and I, you know, love doing it. So was this an idea that Marvel had and then they approached you about it? Um, Marvel definitely had the idea to do a Wolverine Max comic. And we wanted to do it um, with two artists. So we had some discussions and um, it definitely seemed the way to go was to do uh, have two stories, one present um, and one uh, in flashback. And we also wanted to um, set the story, the initial arc of the story in Japan. So those are really the only um, guidelines that I had coming in. Um, beyond that, uh, Marvel gave me a lot of flexibility um, creatively to do uh, what I wanted with the character. And I think all of us are on the same page that we wanted to put a unique spin on Logan, um, do something different. Um, it's you know it's hard with a character that's so iconic. Um, it's been done so many times throughout the years. So many great writers have worked on the character. It's you know it's hard to come up with a unique spin. Um, but you know part of the way I approached it was to um, create a different, slightly different version of Logan, a tweaked version. Um, doesn't have the same backstory that he has in the Marvel Universe, um, no origin story, um, really just got to, to uh, approach the character as if he was, uh, as if we'd never seen him before, as if he just appeared, um, his own history, no X-Men yet in the story, but that was the idea going in. Mm-hmm. So some of the changes you made to the origin include the amount of adamantium in Logan's body, because his legs are severed in that first issue, for example, and that couldn't have happened if the metal was bonded to all his bones. So um, can you talk about why you decided to make the changes uh, to Logan? I I wanted from the very get-go, from that first scene, for readers, fans to get that this was a new Logan. This is a different Logan, new rules, unlearn what you've learned about Logan. So it was interesting that some uh, fans like felt there was an editorial error or something. <laughs> that we made a mistake and you know we cut off his legs by accident. But yeah, there was no 
adamantium in his legs. It's basically, um, from what we know at this point in the story, um, and for what Logan knows about his own past, is that it's just in his arms. Um, and he basically just has claws. And that was the, you know, I, I, again, it was partly because I just wanted to do something different that hadn't been done before. Um, partly because, you know, I feel since he has healing ability already, um, what really, you know, does add, I wanted to explore the idea, does the adamantium in its entire body really add that much to his immortality? And um, it creates the possibility of, I'm not going to give anything away, but what, what's going to happen in uh, future storylines, but adamantium is going to be a big part of the overarching arc of the whole series. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was really just to hit people over the head right at the beginning and uh, show that this is a, a new Logan, a different Logan, and um, and you know hope people get on board and give it a chance and see that um, you know there's a reason for it. It's not <laughs> it wasn't an editorial error. You know, a lot of thought had gone gone into it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, aside from the claws and the killer instinct, I mean, what is it about Wolverine's character? Um, that makes him so interesting in this uh, Max world and a less restricted, edgier world? Um, well, he's on his own. Um, no X-Men, no, no one really to fall back on. Um, it's really, it really is, I think, you know, a version of the loner Logan. Um, he's, every scene is from his point of view. Um, he's in every scene of the comic, every frame. Um, so, it, you know, I was attracted to creating this really claustrophobic, uh, noirish feeling for the character. I wanted readers to kind of vicariously experience, like, actually what it feels like to be Logan, to be, um, as far as he knows, immortal. Um, have some clues to his past, but not every detail to his past what would it feel like to um, lose everybody you've loved and, you know, and really make it claustrophobic. He's on the run and um, just try to make it as intense as possible. Well, you mentioned that uh, Wolverine Max is a crime noir uh, mystery. So obviously your experience as a crime novelist has influenced your writing on Wolverine. So are there certain elements that you look for when you're creating a great crime noir character? Um, yeah, I think, you know, there's always a, I, I mentioned the existential, you know, character that Logan is, really. And that that does, to me, fit in with the um, uh, prototype for a noir uh, character. Um, someone who has a kind of faded existence, a kind of no-exit type feel to the story. And... Um, I think you could take a character like that, and I say a character because this is, I really see this as a version of Logan, my take on Logan, but I think you could take um, this Logan and put him in a world where bad things happen, where a noir world where you can't trust anybody and he can't even trust himself, and um, it creates a lot of uh, possibilities for uh, noir stories. Um, where he's not necessarily uh, heroic. You know, he learned some th- a lot of things about his past where he might not have been 
you know, the greatest guy throughout the years. And he has to deal with that. He has to deal with his, um, his guilt. He has to deal with, um, you know, the responsibility for that. And, you know, the comic is in a way about his, him trying to get redemption for stuff he's done in the past for bad things he's learned about himself. Um, and all of those are, you know, the type of storylines that I would normally put in my noir crime novels. And I have put in, you know, explored those themes for years. So, yeah, so I wanted to kind of fit Logan into a noir world, and I didn't think it, you know, in the end it doesn't really require much tweaking. I think he's always been that sort of character. Um, maybe in, the, you know, in the Marvel Universe they're telling, you know, more heroic uh, types of stories, and um, he's part of a team, he's part of the X-Men. So, you know, I wanted to kind of get back to a, you know, a very flawed version of Logan, Um and to me, that was just what was interesting about him. Right. So one of the story elements I like best in Wolverine Max is the way you're handling his memory loss. So in your story, it isn't a result of Weapon X, at least we don't know that, but it seems like it's more the cumulative effect of him living for centuries. And your Logan has lived much longer than his counterpart in the Marvel Universe. Um, I like that his memory problems are a result of his brain healing over and over. It reminds me of um, what Paul Jenkins did in Origin. So why did you decide to approach it from that angle? Um, well, I, again, I just feel like a character who's lived for centuries. You're right. I don't um, clearly define yet how long he's lived. Logan himself doesn't know yet. Um, at this point in the story, he has memories that go back to um, at least the samurai era um, of Japan, which was in the you know, mid to late uh, 1800s. And at that point, he's already um, an adult. So, you know, yeah, he's lived for centuries. And actually, early on in the first issue, in some of those uh, flashbacks, um, there are even glimpses into an earlier past for Logan when he's even younger than that. So, but he's not sure exactly how long he's been alive himself. And to me, that's, you know, really interesting when a character um, just metaphorically has to figure out not only the future, like, you know, dealing with his current problems, but also having mystery um, to resolve um, in the past. And I think to me, those became like, that became like a very interesting idea to do like an overarching series where, um, you know, potentially there could be, um, an arc of Wolverine Max set, you know, a few centuries earlier and it would mm-hmm. fit into, it would completely fit into the storyline. Um, and I, and I kind of felt, you know, just as a fan of, uh, Wolverine that it shouldn't, my take on him has always been that he he shouldn't really have like a um, defined past. To me, personally, I just think it's more interesting if um, that's more open, more mysterious. Right. I like that he uh, started to write down what he remembers to try to piece together his past. Is that something that he'll continue to do throughout the series? Uh, yes. Um uh, he he does he is in some stuff that's not published yet. He is continuing uh, to do that. He's kind of creating his own uh, journal, and yeah, he's going to use that to try to uh, piece together parts of his past. Of course, you know those, that journal could always be lost at some point. But um, 
uh, I, I thought it was an interesting device. I felt like, again, realistically, I think someone trying to put together their past would do um, everything they can. Um, yeah, and, it kind of reminds uh, me of Memento, actually. Um, yeah, no, there's definitely some shout outs here to Memento. Um, you know, the born identity, I could to- totally see that comparison because he's completely on the run trying to figure uh, out who he is. Um, but that's the kind of vibe I was, you know, I'm going for mm-hmm. uh, with this. I just, it's a type of, I want the story to constantly be moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, he's never safe, never can really settle down. He's trying to find his past while he's just trying to get away and live and survive in the present. Well, given that he has all these added centuries of life, uh-huh. how, how has that affected him differently than the Marvel Universe, Logan? Um, the rule I've kind of set up is that every time he has a head injury um, and he heals, um, it creates some, some memory loss. And his brain is able to heal and is able to function in the real world. But um, cumulatively, over centuries, this has had an effect uh, on him. So I think the time and the sheer amount of time that he's been alive um, makes him hopefully more tragic. Um, he doesn't know clearly where he came from. And if you don't know where you came from, you don't know where you're going. And he's kind of um, a character kind of in a void. And he does remind me of some of the, uh, you know, if I'm just thinking of some of the classic uh, noir heroes like um, Richard Widmark in uh, Kiss of Death, oh, where he's right. just kind of like on, you know, on the run and everyone's after him. And th- that's definitely the type of uh, vibe I was looking for in this take on on Logan. Um, well, you know, you saying that just uh, it reminds me of uh, Zadowichi. Have you ever watched those uh, old uh, samurai films? Yep. I have. In fact, um, before I started writing that first arc, I just kind of went on a samurai film tear just to kind of, you know, get the mood going in my head. Awesome. Yeah, those are my favorite movies of all time. I love Shintaro Katsu. Yeah. Uh, much of Wolverine Max is a more realistic portrayal of the character, as you've mentioned. Um, but you've also introduced a lot of recognizable elements and characters. Uh, when you were first approaching the book... How conscious were you of getting the right balance between what fans love about Wolverine uh, historically and then creating something new? Um, You know, it's hard to write a version, I think, of any character that's going to please everybody. Um, I did want to do a different, um, you know, I I wanted to give the fans a different take on Wolverine. I didn't want it to be... He, he, you know, he's the Logan character we've always known, but I, I wanted to be the take to be as original as it possibly could be, um, while still making the character recognizably Logan. Um, but you know, if but you know, piecing together like you know who would like what I'm doing with the adamantium, who wouldn't like it, um, you know, would people like that I set the first arc in Japan, or would they you know prefer that I did it somewhere else? You know, I can't. There's no way I could please everybody, but um, I definitely wanted to make it as fresh as possible. I think, you know, hopefully uh, people will appreciate, you know, this kind of new take and that 
you know, and even if you love the Logan you've always read, you love the origin story, you could kind of appreciate that this is just a kind of different take, a kind of riff on the character. Right. Well, I think it's terrific. I, I love that he just doesn't have a lot of this baggage and he's not on every single team. You know, it's really focused on the character, which I appreciate. Yeah, that definitely, you know, gives me uh, more flexibility and it kind of raises the stakes for Logan. Like he doesn't have anybody else to depend on. You know, he's on his own. You know, that's why I was thinking about some of those classic noir heroes who are just on their own, on the run. It's Logan against the world, and that's it. Well, that's interesting because obviously in the Marvel Universe, uh, the X-Men have had a huge, profound effect on Logan. So is that something that is missing in your character? I mean, for him personally, that he doesn't have this family to fall back on. Is that something he wants or searches for? Um, I've kind of hinted in, um, especially in the L.A. arc, um, that he bonds with people he feels very easily and he, he attaches, makes attachments easily. And he sees that as a flaw in himself. And it does turn out in some cases to be a fatal flaw for him. But I do think that's um, a symptom of being by yourself, being alone again for centuries, um, not having a team to fall back on. Um, you kind of start to get a distorted view of relationships um, trust issues develop. And again, like I wanted this to be as realistic as possible. I'm trying to like, as I'm writing it, I'm trying to like be in Logan's head, trying to imagine what it feels like to be him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it would fuck you up to be <laughs> alive for centuries. And I, I think it would be harder to maintain, um, a good relationship, um, with anyone. And, um, so, so this continually comes out and it's something he struggles with, um, you know, throughout the entire series. Well, and speaking of bad relationships, uh, one of the characters you introduced in your first arc is Sabretooth and his origin and relationship with Wolverine are a lot different than what we've seen before. He seems more obsessive and manipulative, constantly right. telling Logan lies and have truths. Um, why did you want to put Creed in the mix early on, and how do you view the character and his motivations? Um, again, like I didn't want this to be a completely different um, version of um, Logan. You know, I wanted some familiar characters to be there. I wanted to show that very early on that this is not the same. Uh, clearly, not the same world. It started with the legs coming off, but also with a different version of, of Creed, I wanted to kind of hit readers over the head. This, hey, this is a different, this is not what you've seen before. Um, and I didn't want to do the same Creed. You know, I thought, like, if Creed is going to appear in a story, and I, and, I, and I do feel it's important for Logan to have Creed as his kind of um, adversary. Mm -hmm. um, but something he... Again, we talked about his ability to maintain relationships, his ability to sometimes trust Creed in the past, but at sometimes he finds out he can't and that it was a mistake to trust him. Um, and I think so that com certainly comes out in their relationship. And, you know, I've always just liked the whole dynamic between um, Logan and Creed. And so 
yeah, so I thought it would be cool just to put in 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 the first arc, and I have planned later on how uh, Creed may return to the story, but um, that wouldn't happen for a while. Right. Creed seems to want Wolverine to be his companion through life, whereas Logan seems to be kind of running away from um, other people. Creed seems to be running towards him. Uh, yeah, this Creed, as you said, is very manipulative. Um, he kind of, well, he certainly wants to use Logan. Um, he's power hungry, and I don't want to give anything away, but there is more to their <laughs> past than uh, than Wolver- than Logan real- realizes at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so. He, you know, he's manipulative, but there's always some part truths in what he's talking about um, with Logan. And I think Logan, as a, as a loner for centuries, he, he's torn because Creed is the only person uh, he's encountered who's similar to him at all. So it's, it, it's on one level, it seems natural that he should want to have some sort of bond with him, that they are sort of like brothers. Um on the other hand, he recognizes that uh, Creed is a total psycho, and <laughs> it's not like that. So it does create a uh, conflict for for Logan. You know, um, do you want do you bond with someone just because they're um, similar to you, or do you or do you reject that? Well, and then you showed their relationship going back to feudal Japan, where you brought in the clan Yoshida, which was a big part of the first storyline and Wolverine's always had a strong connection to the clan and Japan, but you've kind of enhanced that connection by having the max version actually exist at the time of the samurai. So what opportunities does putting Logan and Creed in that time period offer you as a writer? Well, some of the, um, in some of my research, you know, some of the, um, gangs that were kind of, um, active even during the, going back all the way to the samurai, period actually became Yakuza later on. So it became interesting for me to um, kind of put Creed into that world as kind of like the link between, um, you know, crime in past Japan and crime in in, uh, current Japan Mm -hmm. and having um, Logan as a uh, a part of that. So it it seemed to be like a really cool way to kind of... um, you know, have these two storylines, one that's taking place in the present, one that's taking place in the past, and have it really uh, make sense, you know, that why, you know, um, basically this version of Creed's been doing what he's been doing for uh, centuries. And uh, so, yeah, so I definitely wanted to play with some of those ideas, um, do a different version of Yoshida, um that, you know, obviously I shifted time around, you know, um, compared to what takes place in the Marvel Universe and Claremont mm-hmm. Miller, etc. But um, that's part of the point. This is like a a different take on, on a lot of stuff that's happened in the uh, Marvel Universe. Will we be seeing more uh, stories set in Japan? Will there be consequences to what happened in the first arc? Um, I am... Planning to take Logan uh, back to that region, yes. Right. He has to survive um, Las Vegas first, which <laughs> he is right now. Uh, well, your second storyline uh, was even more realistic as uh, 
Wolverine gets caught up some bad shit with that porn star, Candy Cassidy. So what inspired you to drop Logan into that criminal underbelly of Hollywood? Um, well, we wanted um, Logan to be in L.A. next. Um, we thought it made sense um, because uh, that's where he was heading you know, when the plane crashed in the first arc. Um, and he's just basically chilling out and trying to escape um, his past, but he's the type of character, again, like the, the noirish type character in this universe where trouble finds him, and even when he's trying to do something good and and help someone, he kind of very quickly finds himself uh, in trouble. He's a trouble magnet. Um, and <laughs> yeah, so I had the idea of him meeting this woman on the beach, and um, this relationship that develops, and um, then I kind of just developed it the way I would a a novel. You know, I'd ask myself what happens next and um, what wouldn't it be cool if um, Candy wasn't really who she said she was and again, Logan has this ability to kind of trust people too soon and it would be kind of cool to put him face to face then with a femme fatale character who's not necessarily telling the truth and he has to decide uh, if he's going to believe her or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I so there was a good um, uh, way to show this uh, ty- this aspect of Logan that I'm really trying to develop throughout the whole series where he's on his own, not sure who we could trust, you know, dangerous, you know, danger finds him type of world. And to really show readers that this is the, this is, this is who Logan is in this world. You know, um, clearly define that. Mm-hmm. I like that he had the uh, relationship uh, with the dog. Can you talk about you know why you decided to put that in? Um, yeah, like it, it goes back to what I've been talking about with him just bonding very quickly. Um, he's only known the dog for a while, but he has like a um, you know an intense connection uh, with the dog, and this is just how. You know, Logan, who's been alive for centuries, this is his um, fatal flaw in the whole in the whole series. Um, his attachment and his um, how it leads to flaws, flawed relationships and distorted relationships, and um, of course, ultimately, you know, violence is connected to that. And um, but yeah, at the core, that's what they the story's about and he just has a um a relationship with the dog that's intense but also very uh pure and mm-hmm. it's something after everything he's been through in Japan that he's very attracted to having this very simple ideal life where it's just him and this pure easy relationship with a dog who he trusts um none of the bullshit he just went through with uh, Creed and even that doesn't work out for him. So it's kind of always has this tragic layer to him. Like, you know, this trying to get out, but I get sucked back in type feeling uh, to the whole story. Mm -hmm. The other thing that struck me about that storyline was that Wolverine used a lot of guns at the end of the story. And that's something we don't typically see. It's more something that the Punisher would do, Um, but I liked it 
because it kind of brought home how different your approach is with the character. And I just wondered if you thought about that when you were deciding to put a submachine gun in uh, Logan's hands. Um, yeah, no, I think I he even comments. Um, it's funny in the description that I wrote to the artist uh, before he comes in in that scene. I said he's like the motherfucking Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he had. I definitely wanted to show that this isn't the usual Logan. Um, that he's willing to, you know, if you if you uh, you know, if you wrong him in this universe, he's going to come at you with any everything he's got um, type feeling. And, yeah, that he's not, he's willing to do anything. You know, he's just like, um, you know, pure rage when he gets, you know, when you piss him off. So, and he doesn't really have any limits to what he'll do if he feels he, you know, needs to get revenge or uh, somebody wronged him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so he's definitely not necessarily, you know, a pure hero. I wanted there to be this to be a gray Logan. Um, he, this isn't like a black and white uh, world. You know, he has a past. He has a past, and he wasn't always great in that past. And um, he's not always great in the present. He tries to make the right decisions, and sometimes he makes the wrong decisions. And you know. Um, yeah, there's pretty much, you know, anything that's kind of like how I see the max universe in general. It's not necessarily about, um, sex and violence. It's about, um, pushing the boundaries of a character and the extremes that they can go to. Yeah. It's more about, uh, the characters and the choices they make, the mature decisions they make than it is about having faces sliced off every issue i agree i agree it's um it's kind of about a hyper reality to me like make it as real as possible now part of that is you know especially with a character like logan making him as as violent as possible when he gets violent like you don't have to curtail it so there's some scenes uh where when he chops somebody up he really chops them up and you see it Right. Um, so I never want the artists uh, to hold back from that. Um, and yeah, like if, if he's going to hook up with somebody, you should kind of see that too. You know, like you don't have to hide anything. Um, everything's out in the open. But it, but at its core, though, I do think Max for me means um, you know going all the way with um, the boundaries, stretching the boundaries of a character. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you uh, view the Max line as a whole? It seems like it's growing. Um, have you enjoyed the other Max series? Um, yeah, I mean, my favorite all one of my favorite all time comics is uh, Punisher Max. Um, you know, especially the stuff that Garth Ennis did. Um, so good. Yeah, yeah. I just think he, to me, that is really the definition of like what a real adult uh, comic can do. Um, it was the same Frank that we'd seen in, you know, in the Marvel universe, but, you know, a much his, uh, you know, what the character, uh, how the character behaves is very, is to the extreme. And that's, to me, that's what a Max comic is. It's all about, uh, the behavior of the character. It's not necessarily about, um, and, 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 the, yeah, the sex and violence comes out of that. 
Mm-hmm. So it should come out of what's realistic behavior for the character. You know, in a, in a way, you know, Wolverine Max kind of reminds me of some of the stuff that Ennis did with Punisher Max because he had that series Born where he shows uh, Frank's past and, and how that defined him before he actually became the Punisher. And I really thought that was great. But the other thing I really liked about Ennis is that, um, to me, I mean, the Punisher, he's just kind of a thug with a gun. And he really brought in a lot of other supporting characters. And you got to see how they would view the Punisher. And I thought that right. worked really well. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, um, yeah, and just like the, the very realistic um, settings, um, going back to his roots in Brooklyn and, um, you know, to some extent that was part of the reason, you know, why I felt it was a good idea to start off, go back to Logan's roots in Japan, um, but at the same time do something uh, different. But I certainly think what Ennis has done is, it's certainly like the model for how you write a Max series. And and they just uh, announced, I think, that he's working on another miniseries, which is cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So um, creating good comics is reliant on collaboration between writer and artist. So um, that's a lot different than working on a novel, which you've done a lot of. In the case of Wolverine Max, you've been collaborating with not just one artist, but two artists every issue. Can you talk about the experience and what it's like to be working with artists like Felix Ruiz and Roland uh, Bashi, I think? I don't know how that's how you pronounce his name. Bashi, yeah. Well, I have done collaboration before outside of comics. Um I co-wrote three crime novels um, for Hard Case Crime with Ken Bruin, who's a Irish novelist, an Irish novelist. And um, collaboration is always fun because, you know, as a as a novelist, I'm always alone and in my own head, and it's always the finished version is always my take on the story. Mm-hmm. Um, collaboration is something that I think writers could either really respond to or really not like at all because. Um, I think some writers uh, like to be in control of everything, and it's hard to kind of give up that control. I personally love collaboration. Um, before I was writing novels, I worked in I wrote some uh, plays, and I was a member of some theater groups and had some stuff performed. And I always loved working with actors, with directors, and and the end product is not necessarily what I um, envisioned when I was writing, but in many cases, that's what's exciting about collaboration, um, how an idea can change and evolve and become something different. Um, and in comics, I think that same spirit is there. Uh, you know, when you, when I write a script, um, I could describe what's essential for the artist to write, and I try to envision it the best I can on a page, but it really doesn't come to life until the artists uh, get involved. And not just the artists, the editors, the um, colorist, uh, the uh, ink inker, the um, letterer, you know, it's not really about my idea. It's about my words, but it's really not about beyond that. I think it's totally about the group effort. Um, Roland and Felix, you know, I think they're a really good complement because their styles have enough similarity, um, but enough difference to kind of really work well as far as going from the past to the to the present. And um, yeah, I'm always just really impressed with how they could build on what I've, uh, you know, suggested to them. Because I always feel my my script, especially the artistic notes, are really just a suggestion. And um, whenever they have an idea of how to take it into another direction, that's totally up to them. You know, they, you know that's what makes mm-hmm. it interesting and uh, collaborative. Mm-hmm. Do you think visually, Jason? 
yeah, especially when I'm writing a comic. I mean, you have to. It's it's um it's much different than writing a book. It's all about uh, space and um imagining what the page is going to look like. Um, in a novel, you have endless space, and space is never an issue. And here, each issue is 20 pages, and you have to hit um you know plot points on. Well, certainly at the end of each issue, you have you need some sort of uh, cliffhanger. Um, in a in the novel, you would never have that kind of restriction. So it's it's thinking about space, but it's also thinking of what like the big image is, like what's the most important part of a scene, what you want to focus on, thinking about camera camera angles, basically. But it, it's all a suggestion because um, if Roland and Felix have a better idea, you know they they always go with it. Right. Well, I just have a couple more questions. Uh, I was wondering, because you write Wolverine, what you thought of the new film that just came out. I thought it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, coincidentally, it had uh, some similarity to um, the first arc of Wolverine Max, mm-hmm. both set in Japan, both uh, deal with the Ishida clan, Yakuza. Um, almost a similar version of Logan. He's very existential, no X-Men in this version. Um, none of that was intentional. I didn't know anything about the, uh, movie going in, except that it was set in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought there was a good job. I thought that, you know, that opening sequence with, you know, um, the Nagasaki, uh, bombing was incredibly realistic. Um, and I just think, um, yeah, I really enjoyed the whole movie. Well, it seems like you're really enjoying your time on Wolverine. How long do you plan to write the series? Well, it's an ongoing series, so um, hopefully many more arcs. I have, uh, I certainly have ideas for the next few arcs in my head, ideas where I want to take Logan. Um, I do want to bring some more Marvel Universe characters into the story. Um, A Marvel Universe character appears in Las Vegas in issues 11, 12, and 13. and I have a idea for the you know, explanation of the adamantium in his body and um, an alternate explanation that really has nothing to do with uh, Weapon X. And I'm sure it will anger some, <laughs> <laughs> some fans. But I think in the end, um, my hope is that, you know, even the... Uh, you know, fans who are very attached to uh, loyal fans who are attached to the previous storylines will appreciate this as a different take on on Logan's character. That it doesn't really uh, you know, affect what's done been been done before, but this is a kind of an opportunity to riff on it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's a different universe. I mean, if they want that, they can always read the Marvel Universe version of it. You know, I agree. I think some people um, look. I'm familiar with the Max Universe course so are you i think some readers going into it might not understand that right away yeah that it's a new universe um so you know i th- yeah, I, th- I think when if you it should certainly be clear after reading the first arc of uh wolverine max i think um it should be very clear this is a different universe different rules apply mm-hmm. and i think once you um accept that i think um you know hopefully everyone will just enjoy it for the new take it is not compare it necessarily Well, I'm having a great time, so thank you very much for writing this series and taking the time to do this interview, Jason. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Colloquium with Jason Starr. 
For more about Jason's novels and comics, visit his website at jasonstar.com. For more about Colloquium, visit the Sequart Research and Literacy Organization website at sequart.org. Along with the cast, you'll find reviews, documentaries, scholarly articles, and many unique books that discuss and analyze your favorite comic book series and creators. Thank you to John Raffano, who wrote and performed the Colloquium theme song. John is the guitarist for the post-rock metal band Sonnet, whose first full-length album, Known Flood, is out now on Sacrament Records. You can listen to the tracks at sonnet.bandcamp.com. Until next time, chums.